This is Shutters Inc. with Bruce Williams. Hi and welcome to episode 503 of Shutters Inc. This is Bruce Williams from ShuttersIncPodcast.com and joining me once again from Irvine, California, it is Mr. Mark Silber. How are you, Mark? I'm great, Bruce. But I got to say, I'm in Carmel, it's, California. But, oh, I, I knew I was going to get that wrong. <laughs> I just knew it. The moment I said it, I thought, oh, have I got that right? <laughs> it's, it's the other side of the state. But, you know, hey, <laughs> it's close enough. Oh, we're, we're sorry, in, mate. Sorry. I'm still in California. No worries. <laughs> and how have you been? You know, Bruce, it's uh, kind of amazing. I've been busy as heck. Uh, well, that's great. Oh, yeah. I mean, during this time period, I've been producing courses and YouTube live videos and, you know, really building my whole uh, structure out. So I guess in in that sense, it's been a a bit of a useful time. And, you know, it's uh, you you have to make the most of everything and pivot whenever the world changes, no matter what. That's exactly right. That's what I've I've been talking recently with uh, a photographer from the other side of the US, uh, a guy called Joe Edelman, who's over in uh, Allentown in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, And he said pretty much the same thing, you know, all of his you know, his regular studio shoots all dried up because of COVID. Uh, and he's done much the same thing, you know, concentrated on his online presence and built that stuff up as much as he can. So, yeah, I, you have I can to. appreciate that, you know, yeah, exactly, you do. You, As you say, you've got to pivot and go where the work is. Absolutely. And if that means online, so be it. So. That's And, you know, I think that many of us are going to be here for a long time to come. So you might as well get hunkered down and... And develop, <laughs> it. develop it, you know. Yeah, uh, and so what sort of stuff have you been doing? Well, you know, one of the things that I've been doing is a uh, a lot of YouTube lives where I have people tune in from all over the world. Yep. And one of my most popular shows, I do a critique show uh, where people can send into my um, Facebook group their photos, and yep. then at, and as you know, they just you know hashtag and to be critiqued. So I've been doing a lot of critiques, which is what I had originally reached out to you about, you know, some of the composition points that have become very clear to me in critiquing hundreds and hundreds of different photos. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously people find that really useful because you, you can put stuff on social media. And as you know, just getting a like or a thumbs up or whatever, it's sort of like, well, what does that tell you? Nothing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's nice. I don't mind getting likes and I do yeah. love comments, but Get a little dopamine hit. <laughs> it's a little hit, but it, does it, does it advance your photography? Does it, you no. know, move you to another level or, or tell you even what's good or, or, you know, why it's good. And, you know, when I went to art school, probably the most valuable thing, it was a double-edged sword because I sometimes hated it. I mean, if you were in favor, it was a wonderful experience. And if you were out of favor, it was a very unfun experience. And it, unfortunately, it had so much to do with what the instructor thought. But one of the things that we do is we put our photographs uh, along. There were, you know, you went into this room and it had four walls of, of uh, pushpin board on it. And you pick out your spot and you'd push your photographs in there, you know, usually 25 or 30, whatever you'd been doing that week. And then the instructor would lead the group around and they, you know, when they came to yours, your heart would skip a beat and <laughs> you, you, you hoped it met favorably. But it still was valuable 
because it's good to get feedback from other people that you know, is more than just, uh, I like it, I don't like it. I mean, it doesn't tell you anything. So that's one of the things I've been doing a lot of. And that's what I thought would be interesting to share some of the things I learned from looking at many, many, many photographs and, and giving sure. feedback. You know, the Bruce, the first thing that always comes up. So when I look at a photograph, you know, I'm first looking at where is my eye drawn to? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the natural thing that you do. And unfortunately, sometimes it's drawn to the things that you don't want it to go to. Like, for instance, if there's a really shiny object in the corner that leads your eye off of the photograph, that's not good, right? Yeah. And that's a common mistake. It's just sort of like, you know, we preach this idea that um, you really have to scan the whole frame and especially look at the edges because our eye is going to go, you know, either into the photograph or out of the photograph. And going out of the photograph isn't a good idea because yeah. it's like if you're, you know, if you're running a business and you want people to come into your business, you don't want the, you don't want them to just walk out the other door. You want them to linger and look. Right. So that's probably the most common thing is just, you know, stop and look at your photographs. See where your eye goes. Second to that is, does your eye go to a a specific subject or does it just kind of bounce around in different places? And I use this analogy like if you were writing a sentence and you said, hey, look out there. Isn't that cool? But you didn't point at anything. You just said, look out there. Okay, what's out the window? Um, There's a tree, a dog. A goat, a fence. I mean, what do you want me to look at? And it it leaves you confused because you don't know what what the intention is. And unfortunately, some people do this in their photographs. They have more than one subject that splits your attention. You don't know, do I want to, do you want me to look at the dog, the tree, or the goat? And so when you don't know something, you tend to just bounce out of it. I mean, that's kind of the way our minds work, right? If you don't have an answer, <laughs> you you go, well, I don't know what they want. I'm leaving. Boom, I'm out of the I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, those are those are two common things. And then on the other side, on the positive side, and and I have to say I've been really impressed. Most of the comments I give are positive. You know, not just because I'm an optimistic positive person, but I do see you know, in the photographs that have been submitted to me a lot of really, you know, positive things that that make those photographs stand out. And one of them is just that, like how show me a single subject and, you know, let my eye go to it. Yeah. And um, using tools like uh, leading lines. I love leading lines and I love diagonal lines. I love uh, contrast geometry. I've, you know, I wrote a whole book about this and it, and many of these things are in my book, advancing your photography. Yeah. Because, those are key elements. Those are tools, you know, it's sort of like having a vocabulary that you can then express yourself with, which is really what composition boils down to. It's a set of tools that you can use, not laws, not rules. Like, I really don't believe in this rule of third because it's not a rule. You can violate it all the time and many great photographs have. Yeah. 
anyway, those are just a few of my kind of, you know, thoughts and having having done so many different critiques. I could go on and on, of course, but, you know, <laughs> th those are those are pretty important points. And, it, you know, it's interesting that like in cooking, you know, if you follow a great chef around, you find they're going to use many of the same tools over and over and over again. Right. Yeah. A great chef's knife, a, a really great pan and a spatula and a mixing bowl. You know, there's like eight or ten of these tools are using over and over again. And I think photography is the same way. I, I, many people get confused, um, not just about composition, but cameras themselves, because there's so many menus and knobs and dials, and you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, but really, what are we using? We're using ISO, aperture, shutter speed. Focal length. Focal length. Focus. You know, what yeah. have I counted out? Six six things, right? Yeah. And yes, there's, there's a million menus because, they, you know, camera manufacturers want to cover everything. But, you know, the skill comes in using those six or eight functions very, very well. Yeah. And knowing them cold, right? And same thing with composition. Knowing those eight or ten compositional points so well that you can recognize them and put them to use immediately. Definitely. Yeah. And I think the thing I'd add to that is, you know, in, in terms of, you know, just thinking back to what you were saying about too many elements in the, in the one frame is pick the hero element and yeah. then make it, make it fill the frame. Totally. You know, or, or at least, you know, have enough weight in the frame that it's obvious that that is what your intended subject was. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. there's no question. Yeah. You know, and as people get more skilled, they can kind of bend some of those rules. Like you can make a photograph with more than one subject in it, like having multiple frames. I love frames within frames. You know, if you see, you know, somebody standing several people standing standing in windows, for instance, and you have maybe three subjects, but they're all perfectly framed because of the window. Yeah. But that's done very skillfully. So you could go, well, Mark, you just violated the rule there because I have three subjects in it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But my eye doesn't bounce around. My eye just kind of goes subject one, subject two, subject three. Brilliant, yep. you know. But that takes some skill. You can't just do that randomly and hope to get away with it. You know, you have to know <laughs> what you're doing there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, Joe McNally talks about the language of light, and he's brilliant at it. Uh, he's yeah. a great photographer. But I, I also say, you know, there is a language of composition, and the more you can compose and the more tools that you have, the, the better able you're going to be able to tell that story. So, For sure. You know, at, at the end of the day, Bruce, what is there? There's lighting and composition, and you could subdivide it into uh, timing. Timing comes into it. Yeah. But that's really a compositional tool. So really, at the end of the day, it's lighting and composition, your knowledge of the camera, and, you know, when you were dealing with people, the your ability to to handle and work with people and place them where you want them to be in the light, out of the light, over here, over there, draw from them their expressions you're looking for, put them at ease, you know, that's a huge factor. Yeah. 
or if you're doing street photography, you know, how do how do you approach people on the street? So there's a lot of people skills involved, but, you know, it doesn't have to be a complicated subject. That's sort of my new mantra, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I, it's not like very new, but I, I just realized that, you know, I feel like I'm on a bit of a crusade to demystify photography, make it simple and easy and counteract all the unfortunate complexity that we're hit with constantly because of new camera models, new software, new this, new that. You know, every time you introduce anything new, it's a new learning curve and it's, uh, you know, it slows you down. So, uh, you know, I'm not stuck in the old ways, but I'm also not necessarily saying that you should automatically you know, go buy new gear all the time as a solution to the problem because (laughs) it's not necessarily going to solve your problem. I'd like to break into the podcast briefly to mention that we now have a Patreon account. If you get any value at all from our photographic giggle fest each week, we'd really appreciate it if you could spare a couple of bucks a month just to help keep the servers running. The link will be in the show notes. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. Man, I shot with my last camera for 10 years, you know, because I constantly was of the opinion that, you know what, I haven't wrung every bit of creativity out of this camera that I could. And, you know, I saw some great cameras come and go during those 10 years that I, you know, would sort of look at and go, oh, that looks nice, you know, but I just thought, you know, there's no need for me to, to update until I've, you know, squeezed everything out of this current body. And... I didn't update for, like I said, 10 years, and and I only updated because, you know, the low light sensitivity had improved so much over that 10-year period that I really felt like I was was missing out on the ability to get some shots where, you know, I didn't have as much light as I really needed, and my old camera was, you know, hampering my ability to capture those kinds of images. uh, Yeah, it's true, and those are the you know, those are the things you have to look at and go, yeah, that could make a difference, couldn't it? You know? Yeah, totally. And, and you know, in the, boy, in the old days, you know, I look back, I have a shelf full of cameras that I use in the past. I have a Rolleiflex, you know. Wow. There, I have a Leica. I have a Hasselblad. There's nothing yeah. that could go out of date on these cameras. I mean, they're, <laughs> they're, the lenses As long as you could so, get the film, they're all still useful. <laughs> as long as you could. Now, that's what went out of date. They're not digital. But, but for decades and decades and decades, and I think that newer photographers may have lost track of this, you, you could use the same camera. It would never change. So you had it instinctively in your hands you knew everything about that camera and again there's only three or four controls so there's not a lot to know yeah and there's a lot to be said for that and i think the pro photographers that i know are like you they're they're reluctant to keep changing equipment and they only do it if there's a really good reason yeah you know and if there isn't Hey, you know, I've got a Canon 5D Mark III that I've had for, I don't know, seven years now. And it's, yep. You know, it's a wonderful camera. I have other newer cameras, but that's kind of my workhorse. And I, it does uh, everything I need. And you know what? I found that when I 
did update my camera. So so my previous camera was the Sony A850, which came out around 2008, 2009. Okay. And I shot with that right through until uh, New Year's Day of 2019. Uh, on New Year's Eve, I picked up an A7 III. And even though it was still a Sony and, you know, a lot of the menus were laid out the same, I still find that there is a period of adjustment that, you know, it takes you time to remap your brain because you've shot with the same camera for so long that suddenly you're like, oh, hang on, where's that thing? It's, It's not quite exactly the same as it used to be, you know, and... And, and and this is probably a, a a downside of the fact that I don't shoot as often as I really should. Yeah. That it takes me, you know, or it took me months to get my head rewired to the fact that things were just a little bit different from what I had been used to, you know. And that I think that's another reason why you don't want to be changing camera body every six months. You don't. It, you know, it boils down to if you are not in sync with your camera, you're going to be distracted by it. Totally. And and that's where we don't want to be because Bob Bob Holmes, who I've interviewed a number of times, he's a National Geographic photographer, published something like 40 books, amazing guy. He said, you know, the thing that gets in the way of your photography is your camera. If you let it, right? it's it's like that's a great quote, <laughs> and it's unfortunately so true. You know, because how many shots would you have gotten if you? I mean, I, I this happens to me painfully. I miss a shot because I'm fiddling with something. Yeah, I'm changing the ISO. I you know I forgot where something was or whatever, and there it goes. And those you know those shots that only last a second and they're gone. Yeah, they're gone forever. Yeah. You'll never get it back. That's it. So, so the you know the morals of this story is I think you know I've done a whole series of interviews on why you should go shoot with one camera, one lens, and get, really get good at it. And you know that one lens. I'm I'm not one of these. Um, people that says you can only shoot with prime lenses in fact i i'm not <laughs> no. i'm not that at all i think i have prime lenses but in reality it's like what do what do i shoot with 24 to 70 about 90% of the time yep <laughs> okay so i have other lenses but I seldom use them. And the worst thing, as you know, to be out in the field changing your lenses around, you're letting dust get into your sensor and you're slowing yourself down. So when I hear a lot of talk about, you know, you should only carry around prime lenses, I think, hmm, I don't know. Not in today's world. You know, maybe that was true 40 years ago or 30 or whenever. But in today's world, I just don't see that as a a viable option. No. And just to circle back to your initial comments regarding composition, yeah, uh, an early mentor of mine, and in fact the original co-host of this podcast, Shelton Muller, mm. he always had this thing uh, that, particularly for newer photographers, was walk the arc. And it was, you know, when you found a subject that you want to shoot – don't just photograph it from only one position. Oh, yeah. And and that walking the arc works in two axes, you know, move left and right, but also move up and down if you oh, have the ability so to true. do so. 
you know, that can really, and particularly if, you know, if you don't understand exactly what makes composition great, then simply doing that and, you know, taking 20 images where a, an accomplished photographer might take one or two, yeah, at least gives you the opportunity, you know, later on to then look back across all of those photos and go, which of these really speaks to me? And then you can ask yourself, okay, why? Why does it speak to me? What is it about this angle, you know, that made this work better over the other 19 frames? So true, Bruce. You know, that's interesting you bring that up because I have a whole section. You know, my book is divided into different sections and one of them is capture which is basically lighting and composition yep and one of the key things that i talk about is photographing from different angles because you get like you said you get a completely different view like you you know like why do we photograph sports from a low angle because it's <laughs> it emphasizes the ink at the action it yep. emphasizes the you know let's say the person in in America, up at bat, or a soccer player, or whatever, if you get low, boy, you really see them in action. On the other hand, if you get high looking down at them, they're going to look really small. Yeah. And sometimes you want that. Maybe you want an overview from a stadium, fine. But it's having those choices of angles. And that's probably the, I believe, the biggest way people can make dramatic changes in their photography is exactly what you said. Um, I haven't heard it stated that way, but um, that's of walk the arc. Walk the arc is a great idea because look, maybe there's a, a a ladder you can climb up and get a really cool aerial type view, right? Yeah. Or you can get really low. I mean, one of the things that um, Annie Leibovitz got this amazing photograph of Arnold Schwarzenegger. In um, I think it was in Aspen or uh, one of the ski resorts, and she actually had a trench dug in the snow, <laughs> so so that she could get at ground level looking up at him. And you see this very dramatic photograph of Arnold because she's looking at him from ground up. You know, wow. it's an amazing photograph. You can Google it. It's just Annie Leibovitz, Arnold Schwarzenegger. It'll come up. Uh, I think it was in Sun Valley, yeah. But that's an example of, you know, really using an angle. And, of course, if you, um, with drones now, you know, we can get aerial photographs. So you can get a still photograph of, of say, an area with a river running through it. And it's this beautiful S-curve that you might not have even been able to see from ground level. Yeah. Uh, You know, so, yes, absolutely. Looking at different angles. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. Many photographers walk around because we see things at eye level. That's where they photograph. You know, <laughs> that's right. And it's kind of like cooking a dish the same way over and over again. Well, okay, you know, it's not not gonna we're not gonna win any awards because everybody else is cooking it the same way. <laughs> you know, and I guess that's another thing that I probably want to put in about composition. And when we when we try to follow quote rules. And I see this not just in composition, but processing. You know, it, it can look good, but it, there's a sort of a feeling like maybe somebody else has already taken this photograph because there is a sort of a formulaic uh, view of this thing. And, mm. and that's the problem of getting stuck in rules is that 
first of all, there are no rules. And second of all, if it becomes a formula that you repeat over and over again, after a while, I get tired of my own photographs when I do that. Sure. You know, I feel like I'm plagiarizing myself. Wow, I've already taken this photograph. Why am I taking it again? And um, that's not, that's another important point. But, you know, it it comes down to grasping and knowing. And this has been my mission with my books and my YouTube channel of grasping the fundamentals and really knowing what what are the important points and knowing them so well that you don't have to think about them. And that that that's the way I've always approached the subject of photography and creativity, because I wrote a book on creativity as well, and approached it the same way. Like, what are the fundamentals of creativity that many, many very talented creatives have in common? And, and I found them, and I basically, you know, was able to express them as key tools that you could use and also, you know, give people exercises on how to go out and use them. Yeah. If people want to find your books, Mark, where will they find them? Well, listen, you know, it's very easy. I have, and in fact, I have a special going right now where if, yeah. if people pay the shipping and handling, and this is anywhere in the world, I'll give them my book, Advancing Your Photography, free. I'll cover the bu- pros- price of the book. You cover the postage and handling. Wow. And, and uh, yeah, you can order it from anywhere. And, um, if you there's a little checkbox, you can add my other two books in for also a big discounted price. And where they can find that is the URL is advancingyourphotography.com. Okay. Advancingyourphotography.com. That's the easiest way to grab those books. And, um, you know, I'm enjoying getting them out into, into people's hands from all over the world. I have, I have readers all, everywhere, and I'm, I'm really thrilled by that. And I would imagine your YouTube channel is called the same thing? My YouTube channel is even easier probably to find. It's, um, <laughs> well, it's my name. My You can find anything by just typing in. Make sure you spell it right. M-A-R-C-S-I-L-B, like boy, E-R, Mark Silber. So it's YouTube.com forward slash Mark Silber is my YouTube channel. Right. So that's an easy way to find me. And you can type that into, you know, Google and you'll pull up everything that you can find about me. Nice. All in one place. Excellent, Mark. Well, mate, great to chat again. Yes, Bruce, thanks for making time. We did it. The viewer, the, your listeners don't know how, <laughs> how spur <laughs> how the moment fraught, we made it, but we don't have to this tell was. them that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always flexible and you are too, so that's great. I really appreciate making the time. Mate, not a problem. Good to have you on board, and uh, and good luck with you know the pivot that uh, COVID has forced us all into, and uh, I, I trust that it's working well for you. Absolutely, and and uh, take care. Enjoy your day coming up. Right, my I'm just going uh, in the evening. Absolutely. Yep, it's nine o'clock in the morning here. <laughs> oh, great. Well, we're just we're just heading into you know the late afternoon, so we're at the other side of the. Sp- spectrum we're waiting to see you you can tell us what's going to happen you can read the future i always well, think look, it's amazing if you could just do that with a stock exchange i could call uh, you up we could tell be, me about it we could really make a killing yeah that's right if only it worked like that if only it worked like that maybe someday we'll figure it out that's it all right mark well all the best mate thank you bruce see ya shutters inc 